He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on uh, what looks like going to be another hot summer day. And again, have a little bit of mercy on those guys working on your roof or in your attic or under your house or out there framing or or sheeting a, a, a stick frame. I'm telling you, these are rough, rough times. Those guys have probably already been at work maybe three hours or so. They might be sitting down for their first break right now. Y'all be nice to them. Get them some lemonade, some cold water, something like that. Get out there. Take care of those people out working in this heat. And uh, let's see. Um, so we got a lot of things on uh, the Matt Long show today, and uh, we're going to have a good time. We've got Pastor Greg coming in at the bottom. Um, once again, we have a topic and an article we're going to be talking about, but you know how that goes with Pastor Greg. We we end up going down a rabbit hole sometime in the first minute, and uh, we never get to the subject. But um, I think we're going to be talking about immigration courts today. I think you're going to be very, very, very surprised at what is happening in our immigration courts today. So I want you to uh, stay tuned uh, for that at the bottom of the hour. So we have uh, some good things on your schedule. This is really good. The um, This uh, coming Thursday, the uh, day after tomorrow, the Hill Country Preppers are going to be having their monthly meeting. It's a Buzzies in Kerrville. It starts at 6 o'clock. And uh, this week's uh, topic, this month's topic, is going to be communications, everything about radios, ham radios, shortwave radios, walkie-talkies, uh, CBs, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, communication uh, is an, uh, an essential part if the, uh, if the uh, poop hits the oscillating uh, fan, then um, the communications and those of us uh, good guys being able to communicate with each other is going to be very, very important. So uh, Steve said the, uh, if you had questions about radios or communications, or if you have a radio that you have questions about. I saw uh, someone uh, over the weekend who had a really beautiful handheld uh, ham. I don't know if it was handheld ham or CB or what it was. In fact, the owner of that um, radio said he wasn't too sure what all it could do. Um, and so if you're in a situation like that, you've bought yourself a fancy radio, but you re- may not know all the tricks about it, then uh, this Thursday night, the Hill Country Preppers, uh, this is going to be a really, really good one for you to go to and uh, find out about uh, re- about uh, communications after a disaster. And that can be something as simple as, another hurricane uh, that we get the uh, afterthoughts of here or it could be uh, the it could be another snowmageddon or it could be a uh, I don't know what we're going to call it a sunmageddon if uh, all the power goes out because it's so dang hot and everybody's got their AC turned on um, so this uh, communications is uh, is very important so this is a good one to go to highly recommend you get that 
And uh, we'll try to get uh, Steve on the air here either Wednesday or Thursday and talk to him about that. All right, on the 28th, a week from this Thursday, um, is going to be the TLO training at Bridge Church. That is a training I'm going to be doing um, for getting in preparation for the next legislative session. And so I'm not going to go into that right now because in the second quarter, I'm going to open up that box a little bit more about this training, but go ahead and get it on your calendar, 728 from 1 to 4 o'clock at Bridge Church. And we'll come back in a minute, and we're going to talk more about why that is important as a self-governance and uh, how and what you can do to get engaged in self-governance at the state level. Um, Thursday the 4th, it looks like a bunch of Thursdays on my calendar. Thursday the 4th, the Lano Tea Party um, has their regular meeting. Um, They meet the first Thursday of every month and uh, they have a website lanoteaparty.org and if you just moved here from california lano has two l's in it at the beginning l-l-a-n-o-teaparty.org um this uh, their guest is going to be margaret byfield uh, american stewards um her husband margaret and her husband have been traveling around the country for a number of years uh talking about this uh, a federal plan to take over as much property uh in the country as they possibly can as much land as they can possibly take because you know you don't know how to run your farm or your ranch or your your little uh, 10 acres or 40 acres that you have to retire on so you just don't know how to take care of that and so the government does and so you know they're they're gonna they're they're they got all kinds of little plans to uh, make sure that you do not have control of your land because you're just not smart enough, folks. I'm, I hate to break it to you, but uh, that's that's the truth. Government says you're not smart enough to raise your cattle or or grow some wheat or um, grow some hay. A friend of mine uh, didn't put any hay in this year; had a hard time finding seed, and um, decided not to. Um, and, uh, he, uh, I spoke to him yesterday and he said he was very, very glad that he had not found the seed and that he didn't plant this year because that crop would have been a complete failure. So, um, th- th- it's, um, these guys, um, federal government thinks they know how to do all this better than you. And, uh, so Margaret Byfield and her husband have been traveling around the country talking about this. Uh, the, the program the federal government has is called 30 by 30. They want 30% of the land in the United States in the hands and the control of the federal government by the year 2030, and they're well on their way. So uh, this is a great presentation. Um, they're, they've done this many times, and so they don't stutter around. Uh, they lay it out really, really well. Highly recommended if you did not catch this presentation either in Fredericksburg or Kerrville in the last, I don't know, I think in maybe in the last year, year and a half, um, we had Margaret in both of those places and her husband. Um, then this, listen, driving up to Lano, meet some folks in Lano. This is a great opportunity. I have to tell you, they do serve dinner at the Lano Tea Party. And I uh, can't remember what the cost is. It's some kind of little donation for dinner. But the, the, the best part of the Lano Tea Party meeting, of course, besides all the awesome besides all the awesome people you're going to meet there and the new connections you're going to make, is desserts. They have, a, uh, they have uh, members of their organization bring homemade desserts. Yes, absolutely. 
It's, uh, I'm telling you, for the desserts alone, it's worth a trip to Lano on August 4th uh, to go to the Lano Tea Party meeting. Um, and we going on down another Thursday, the 11th. See, I got, I got all your Thursdays covered, man. You don't have to worry about that. I have every Thursday night for the next four weeks covered for you. Thursday night, the 11th, the Fredericksburg Tea Party of Texas will be back. Um, at, you know, for um, when the Fredericksburg Tea Party got started, there were uh, spotty meetings. Um, it was like every other month. And then, then in 2013, when uh, the uh, Fredericksburg Tea Party was uh, really one signature away from just being shut down and mothballed like all the other tea parties in Texas, uh, there was a couple of people that decided to um, go ahead and keep that thing alive. And we started meeting every single second Thursday. We just, we're going to meet no matter what. And so for the first time since 2013, the uh, Fredericksburg Tea Party did not meet this summer. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for that. And a lot of us needed a uh, just kind of some time off and a break. But we're going to get back up and kicking on the August the 11th with George Rodriguez, El Conservador. He's going to be, he is one of our uh, border experts. And uh, he is going to be up speaking to the Fredericksburg Tea Party. Mr. Rodriguez is very entertaining. We've had him uh, speak to the Fredericksburg Tea Party years ago before he nearly every major event that we have in the hill country you're going to see mr rodriguez there you're going to see george rodriguez there he has a great radio program called el conservador and uh we're looking forward to having him uh for the august the reopening uh the august of uh the 11th at uh, st joseph's hall in fredericksburg get that on your calendar all right, let me uh, give you a little bit of a Ben Franklin, and then we're going to take, uh, take a break. Uh, let's see. Um, a light purse makes a heavy heart. Light purse, heavy heart. Boy, that's keeping it simple, isn't it? So uh, y'all stay tuned. That was poor Richard, uh, also uh, Ben Franklin uh, from 1773. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right, bringing us in, Janice. So, um, next uh, Thursday, the twenty eighth of July. Next Thursday, the twenty eighth of July, um, uh, from one to four at the Bridge Church in Fredericksburg. And if you want tickets to this, they are free. But I'm asking you to please go to Eventbrite and uh, look up Fredericksburg Tea Party. You'll find at least two events there for us. Um, our September. 17th fundraiser, um, as well as the class that I'm going to be offering on TLO. So what is TLO? TLO is Texas Legislature Online, and it is the the premier, the one tool that if you don't understand TLO or don't have a, even a, if you don't have a rudimentary understanding of TLO, you're going to have a really hard time being engaged at the Capitol unless you have a good friend who does all the work and lets you just, uh, you know, sidle up on side and get all the rewards for doing no work. Um, <clears throat> you know, kind of socialist friends, they do that. They'll do all the work and share it with you. Isn't that how it works? So um, you need to 
you need to come to this course. You need to learn how to navigate your round your way through Texas legislature online. The website is capital. That's with an O capital dot Texas dot gov. Go there, check it out. And, um, if you think you can uh, handle that without a little bit of directions or, um, without a little bit of uh, training, then man, my hat's off to you. Um, because, uh, that one, that website is overwhelming to me. So, we're going to have this uh, next Tuesday, next Thursday, at Bridge Church from 1 to 4. Go sign up on Eventbrite, or if you get your Fredericksburg Tea Party newsletter every Monday, um, there'll be a link in there for it as well. And so several different ways to get that uh, lined up. Now, I'm having that training during the day in Fredericksburg. We're going to offer one during the evening sometime for those of you who are at work right now and listening on your truck or sneaking an earplug in while you're in your uh, cubicle. Um, that we will do one in the evening um, as well. And uh, I think Kitty said she was going to try to arrange one in Kerrville for me. I don't do much arranging in Kerrville just because I don't know uh, my way. I've been 21 years in Fredericksburg, 23 years in Fredericksburg. I still cannot, I still don't know my way completely around as far as venues and who's got what and where can we meet. And uh, so um, I definitely don't know my way in uh, Kerrville for those kinds of things. So Kitty, I believe Kitty's working on uh, maybe arranging for a venue for us to do this training in Kerrville. Now, why is this important? If you're going to be engaged at the Capitol, if you're going to the Capitol, then you need this tool. If you're not going to the Capitol, but you want to be engaged and you want to help and you want to be, you want to know what's going on at the Capitol, then you need this tool. So see what I'm saying? It is a tool that everyone can use. And I know I emphasize quite a bit about going to the Capitol. And there's so many of you that just cannot do that. And I get it. No worries. No problem. But, boy, we could sure use your support at home. Those who are going to the Capitol, we could sure use the support of those who can't go but who are willing to do something. And if you can learn your way around Texas legislature online, you will be a very important part of a team. Now, one of the most common questions I get um, every year during primaries um, is, um, how did my representative do? How, how did uh, Representative Jones do? How did Representative Smith do? And the best answer I can give you usually is something along the lines of, he did pretty good, or he didn't do very well, and and that's about it. Now, if it's my representative, I've tracked, and so I can tell you if you wanted to say, how did Kyle Biederman do in this last session, and I can give you an evaluation, I'll say, uh, I, I don't know, I'd just say, mostly good. Well, Mr. Long, what do you mean mostly good? And then I could go and say, well, because there was a vote on blah, blah, day, on an amendment to a bill that uh, I really think uh, Kyle should have supported or should not have supported, and here is vote. Now, I get that because I'm tracking it live or recently. If you wait till the end of the session and you haven't paid any attention and the primaries are coming up and everybody's saying your representative needs to be replaced, your senator needs to be replaced, here's the phone call I get or the email, or the text. It's like, well, I know uh, Representative Senator uh, uh, Senator Bob was uh, 
you don't like what he did, but uh, which votes is it you don't like? What what were the things that you didn't like? Where was it you think he could have stepped up? Well, I could find all that information, but it would take me a long time because I was not actively tracking your legislator. I track my legislators, all right? There's a ton of those guys in Austin, and I cannot, I can barely track my senator and my my representative. So that's what you need to do. If you want to track that, if that's important to you and you want to know at the next primary, you want to be able to tell your friends, Senator Bob, he was, boy, he was worthless. And here, let me tell you why. It was because this vote, that vote, when Senate Bill XYZ came up, uh, he didn't support that bill. And then he signed on it at the end. You can only learn these things if you follow, track it, and you don't necessarily have to do it every single day. Um, the, the parts of the session, the beginning of the session, you're doing one thing. You're just tracking filed bills because they don't take up any hearings for 60 days into the session. Um, and so that, yeah, you heard me right. Out of 140 days, they don't do anything until 60 days in. Wow. Yes, that's how it works. So as you um, as you start tracking certain things in the beginning of the year, maybe you can go on once a week and look up these things. Um, and uh, But as it gets more towards the end of the session, if you really want to track the individual votes of your representative, you can do that, but you're going to need to be on there almost every day, at least for a little bit, at least for 15, 20 minutes to look up certain areas you know to go, go look at to see what's the most important. That is where your training for TLO, Texas Legislature Online, will come in amazingly handy. This class is going to be free. All right. I think I have, um, not sure how many I have signed up. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I checked it at seven. I have limited the class to 25. Um, and I doubt we'll hit that, but it'll be great if we do. You, um, one of my, re- um, um, you know what? I'm going to stop right there. Um, go get tickets, Eventbrite, if you want to go to that. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next day, uh, the next few days, just other reasons why you should take this class. One thing I want to go ahead and say now, because I have been failing to say it, is if you want to be engaged in the Capitol next session and you're planning on going up, um, you know, once or twice or maybe once a week or whatever, you need to get your license to carry LTC. You need to get your LTC. All right. Now, why do you need to get your LTC? Because they have a fast line to get into the Capitol if you have a license to carry. You don't even need to be carrying, but if you have that license, you can bypass the security lines, all right? And let me tell you, if you happen to be the day you want to testify, let's say you're going to one day next year, I'm going to take off, and I'm going to go to the Capitol because I want to testify on such and such. That'll be the day, I guarantee you, that'll be the day that the, that the uh, 73 middle school buses pulled up and unloaded their kids and I have, uh, there have been times where I've stood in line at security for uh, 30 minutes to get in until I got my license to carry. Now I just waltz in the fast entrance. Get that lined up. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We're going to be Pastor Greg here in just a couple of seconds when we get back.
Third Generation Radio, where no topic is off limits and everything. Glasses, thanks so much for being with me. I know you have a choice of where you can be each and every day. And I thank you for keeping it tuned here to Children's Generation Radio. And we are joining live the Hill Country Patriot Radio Network as well. Joining him here with the Children's Generation Radio Show and our network. And we welcome the Matt Long Show and the man himself, Mr. Matt Long. Matt, welcome. Good to have you. Glad to be here with you, Pastor Greg. As always, on a uh, on a Tuesday morning. On a Tuesday morning, absolutely. Well, I, I was just kind of throwing something out at you as we were as we were in the kind of in the green room there, um, and I think it ties to what you sent me the article that you sent me as well, because you know one of the, one of the great areas of contention. I don't know if you saw this or not, but Epic Times actually. Uh, has a has an article in their premium section worksheet at Boston High School suggests assassinations as legitimate form of resisting oppression wow and 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 one example of oppression at the institutional level is identified as Trump builds a wall on the border so it's harder for Latinos to enter the US and that ties directly into what we're talking, you know, what you sent me regarding the article about, you know, judges and, and delays and, you know, people being allowed to just kind of enter into the United States and maybe show up, maybe not show up. And even if they do show up, they're, they're, yeah, their checkout is delayed. Oh yeah, there is. And by the by the way, folks, if you subscribe to the Epic Times, this is an amazing article. Um, it's under the Social Issues tab, and it's called "A Visit to U.S. Immigration Court," where the action is dot 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 not. <clears throat> and so you start reading this article, and uh, first of all, it kind of turns over uh, turns over as if we didn't already know they were lying to us, right? This makes it even more clear. That's why I find this article so intriguing. You know, what we've been hearing about, okay, all these illegals are coming over. The the, the, the Biden administration is just letting them cross over. They're processing them. They're telling us they're processing them and then giving them the, an order to appear in court, right? And uh, so uh, there, there, is, uh, there are a handful of immigration courts across the one, across the country, and uh, the one in New Orleans is what this article is written about. And apparently, from what these this article says, and it's a long article, but it basically says that officials at the New Orleans immigration courts are, they have about two active courtrooms. They hear about 50 cases each morning, and they wrap up business by 11 a.m. So these guys are here in a handful of cases they're quitting by noon, and um, that is, uh, that, and most of those, and Pastor Greg, and then it goes on further in the article, and it says, oh, and by the way, um, they're not actually making any decision. Every single, every single person that walks in there that says, look, I'm following up on my order to appear, here it is. Every single one of them gets a stay or a um, a delay. I'm, I'm, I don't know the legal legal language, but they get a delay. That delay now is anywhere from three to five years. 
Okay. Three to five so, years. So here's so here's the tie-in to the Boston High School uh, article that I that I that I started with. These teachers are teaching humanities to ninth and tenth grade students who've recently al- arrived in the country from El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, and China. So, so do you see, I mean, I see a correlation if, if you're saying, because the kids are just as, as in, intermingled as, as their parents or as adults and a lot of these unaccompanied minors, right. That are coming through. So they're, they're also getting three to five year stays. Mm-hmm. So this is directly related to these children who are ninth and 10th grade age who are being taught that the that that the border protection and the border system and the court system that is uh, that that they are intermingled with that that everyone associated with all of this this whole process these are all oppressors mm. and yeah. and that and and that a legitimate reaction a legitimate response to these oppressors is violence. Wow. Let me, you know, the first thing, (laughs) the first thing I thought of when you said that you gave that line about, um, uh, assassinating a, uh, assassinating, uh, someone from, you know, the enemy from the other side. And, and it kind of made me, it's like, okay, let's take this to the extreme. I'm a, let's say I'm a slave in 1820, or I'm sorry, 1720, and I'm a slave. Okay. Is it okay for me to kill my master in order to gain my freedom? I, I, I would suggest that, again, that, that, you know, murder is something not, not agreeable to, 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 to God's word. Now I understand someone would argue and I, and I, and I can hear this argument echoing, but you know, this, this guy, this, this master is, is, is cruel, is abusive, uh, is, is causing, you know, physical pain, uh, is mistreating individuals. Um, and, and, and potentially has, has committed, uh, you know, heinous crimes themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it is, you know, I, I, what I would suggest is, is that we're dealing with two dramatically different scenarios. Okay. Because, because the, the individuals that are coming illegally into the country are are number one. They're 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 not being treated as slaves, right? They they are being addressed as criminals, which they are. The slave the slave scenario is a whole different animal. That that individual, however that they ended up in that place in that position is not someone that committed a crime and the person who is holding them as a slave is not committing a crime 
in that scenario. So really, you're comparing apples and oranges. Okay. In 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 okay, um, and so to suggest to someone who is illegally here in the country that that individuals who believe in law and order in the United States of America are oppressors and therefore your reaction to them might be to take a violent approach. Mm. The real issue here to me is, is that they are instigating the idea of insurrection and what we know historically about those kinds of concepts and those kinds of thoughts is, is that they are introduced by Marxists and by communists as a means to destabilize a country so that they can bring that country to a place of such chaos that the people begin to cry out for law and order. Mm-hmm. And now the Marxists step in and say, we are now the law and order. And we're all, and then we would all bow down and be grateful to him. Yeah, that's 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 exactly yes. that's exactly yes. the idea. Create an emergency and then come in and yes. solve the emergency, and people will be grateful to you. Your your main right. question, and we only have a couple of minutes, is: Are we too divided to to for this to be repaired? Are we uh, are we at a point now where we're so divided as a country that? It's beyond repair. Is that division beyond repair? I think that's a question we all need to be discussing. I think it's an important question for us to be considering because one of the things in our nation's history's past has been that we could all come back to a place of faith, irrespective of of, of other differences or, or, or other arguments or, or what have you that we were having. As a nation, when faced with a crisis, we came back to a place of our Christian faith and our Christian belief. I believe that that the insidiousness of what has happened to us is that they have infiltrated our churches. They've infiltrated our houses of faith. And I think we've got a large swath of individuals who don't really understand what Christianity actually is and what Jesus actually did, and the change and the transformation that Christianity offers, the, the actual life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that is offered through a true Christian experience. And, and so that creates a problem because it's hard to find then any kind of commonality or footing for us to come together. But yes, I believe we can fix this. I believe that it's possible because I believe that God can do amazing things. And I believe that in every single person, God has placed the three elements that are necessary to bring us to salvation. And that is what will save America. Amen. Amen. Always a pleasure, Pastor Greg. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Matt. God bless you. God bless the Hill Country. Love y'all. Talk to you next time. All right, we are back. 
Um, I'm going to stick with this article for a minute. Um, it's called, it's on the Epoch Times visit to U.S. Immigration Court where the action is dot, 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 not. Um, a couple of the things, uh, so basically what we have is the New Orleans uh, Court of um, uh, Immigration Courts um, are not doing much of anything. Now, d- there is a defense later on in the article. By the way, this is a long article, which makes it so good because it has so much information in it. And you think you might know everything about the immigration courts and what's going on right now, but I guarantee you when you read this article, you're going to be angry and you're going to feel you're going to feel kind of dumb. You're going to feel like you've been left out of this loop. One of the interesting things that as I was reading this last night and then again this morning was it was talking about the people who do show up. All right? So there's some that do show up. The most common person, the most common uh, nationality to show up um, is the Chinese. The Chinese, when they're given their papers and they've crossed over illegally, and you know it's not just Mexicans and Guatemalans and Hondurans. We're getting folks from over 150 different countries. Depending on who you ask, um, The one of the county uh, sheriffs uh, that I talked to a couple of weeks ago in Brackettville said that she had 110, she was actually a judge, not a sheriff, since they had been tracking nationalities, they had 110 different countries, 110 different countries, all right? So the Chinese, I found that very interesting, the Chinese showed up. Um, Another very, very typical thing is that the person shows up and uh, they don't speak English, and so they have to get, yep, got to get an interpreter. So they have a uh, Spanish, an interpreter for Spanish right there um, because that's going to be the most common. Um, But no matter what language comes up, they have to find a translator to translate into that language. Now, uh, there's a story in here about one day where they had had to find two different non-Spanish speakers, and one of them was for Arabic. (laughs) I'm shocked. They actually had someone cross through the southern border that speaks Arabic? Huh, who'd have thunk it? Um, and the other one was Kichwe. Now, I happen to be familiar with that language because it is the language spoken by the natives, uh, Mayan natives, uh, many of those in, in uh, Ecuador. And uh, on a tale for another day, I used to import uh, things from Ecuador into the United States. And so I did a lot of business in Ecuador, and I did business with the Quechua Indians in Ecuador. Now, I have to tell you that the Quechua Indians, with, uh, without fail, speak Spanish. They do, every single one of them. I maybe, maybe, maybe you could go up way up into the mountains and find some little old lady that had never needed to learn Spanish but spoke, uh, but spoke only Quechua. That is, um, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. I actually have a phrase book for Quechua so that I could uh, um, do business with these guys. What would happen is we would sit down and do business in a mixture of Spanish and English and then the uh, if you were sitting there with a couple of the uh, uh, of the Quechua uh, uh, Indians, they would begin speaking to each other right there in front of you in Quechua. 
And so I felt it was important to learn some things um, about Quechua just so that maybe I could hear, get a little bit of insight of where they were negotiating from. And so I tried to learn numbers in Quechua um, so that I could hear what they were discussing, you know, so they'd be in their own language. And it's like, well, uh, we'll take uh, we'll take uh, 15 on that one, but uh, we won't go any lower than 15, but let's try to get 20. But, you know, we'll take 15. So if you could understand some of that. So that was my attempt. I never did get very good at it, um, <clears throat> but that was my attempt anyway. But the point of this is that that judge who got fooled into finding, uh, who got fooled into finding and looking for a Quechua translator, I, 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 I can almost guarantee you that the person that was standing in front of him spoke Spanish. That's just the way that 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 group of native uh, South Americans, native Mayans, they every they speak Spanish because they have to, and they have been speaking it for generations so i found that very very interesting that the quichua was one of the language that they had to come up with a translator for that guy i i don't know you know pastor greg asked me last night is the judge a democrat and i said i I don't know i'm not sure that it matters um because they're apparently as you go on further down in this article uh, the judges have been told, look, just let this stuff slide through. Just let them slide through. In fact, if they look like a pretty good guy, just go ahead and let them stay. All right. So this is going on in our in our in our immigration uh, courts. Now, how far behind are they on the backup? You heard uh, me saying that they're doing about fifty a day in New Orleans in the mornings. They're done by eleven o'clock. Let's just go back to, say, uh, 1996. This is where the data grows uh, starts in, uh, I'm sorry, 98. And uh, it looks like, let's see, about um, 175,000 pending cases. Pending cases. 175,000 pending um, immigration cases in the United States. That's the backup, all right? That was in '98. Let's go to uh, let's go to 2000. Uh, let's go to 2009. We're at 200,000. Then let's go to uh, 2014. We're at 400,000. 2016. We're at 800,000. No, that's yeah, 800,000. You see a pattern here? So these guys are covering 50 a day. They're knocking off at 11 in the morning. They are delaying nearly every single decision that comes before them has a delay of some kind. The only good news I got in this article, and I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to tell you what the backlog is right now. So what's the backlog in 2022? We went from 98 at a backlog of maybe 175,000 backlog. Right now, we are at 1.8 million cases backlogged. 1.8 million cases backlogged. And these courthouses, the courthouse in New Orleans, never even gets crowded. You would think that that would be completely crowded all the way going through. Their backlog, just in New Orleans alone, if you go back to, they had zero backlog in 98. That's where we started nationwide. So in 98, New Orleans had zero, essentially. They were keeping up with it. 
This country overall was 175,000 behind. Now New Orleans, just New Orleans alone in 22, they're 40,000 cases behind. And yet they're only meeting for, you know, half a day. And like I said earlier, there there is a defense that uh, someone down there from the court says, well, you know, they're doing stuff that you can't see. They're always busy. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if they're only covering getting 50 people a day and every single one of them is getting delayed. I'm not sure what they are doing behind courts. Now, I said there was some good news in this article. Did you know that illegal aliens are not entitled to be provided an attorney by the United States government. I'll say that again. This is good news. They are not entitled to an attorney. You know, we've watched enough to, uh, we've all watched enough crime shows that, you know, they read them the Miranda rights and they go through and if you, uh, you know, you have a right to call a lawyer and if you can't find one attorney, then the state will provide one for you. That is, that is law. That's uh, In this country, that's law. You have to have a defense. For illegal aliens, that is not the law. So they come in there. They don't speak the language. They don't have a lawyer. They can't afford a lawyer. The state's not going to offer them a lawyer. So I, that to me, that was good news. So we're not taxpayers. are not paying for lawyers to back these guys up. Um, and uh, so then the judge says, well... You know, it would be really smart if you had a lawyer. You don't need to go through this uh, without an attorney. And here's a list of nonprofits that may or may not provide you, that may be able to provide you an attorney. So at least one thing in that article, and one thing in that article I can I can agree with. And by the way, by the way, I think everybody has deserves a defense. In fact, if it was, I believe it was Adams, and someone's going to get real mad at me, but the, uh, there were the two British soldiers who killed uh, some colonists in cold blood, and uh, one of our founding fathers defended them in court, defended the tyrants in court, and he said, they're a human being. They deserve a good defense like everyone else, and he said, I'm going to do the best possible job to defend these guys. Now, he wasn't forced to do that. He chose to do that on principle. My hat's off to those attorneys, even though I don't like this whole process, but that's the way it ought to be working, all right? Um, if, if the left is so serious about that, if that's where they're going to do it, then they need to get attorneys down there. That is something that needs to be done, and they can take care of that. Uh, beware if they start watching or calling or asking for the state to pay for the defense of these criminal uh, alien trespassers, then we'll need to put our foot in the sand. All right, we'll need to put it. We'll need to draw a line in the sand. We'll need to put our foot down. Don't need mixing my metaphors. Get all messed up here. So um, anyway, read this article. The further you read into this article, the angrier you're going to get. Um, I still say we need a whole bunch of these courts right on the border. We need to take people as they enter, run them through there. If they have legitimate claims for asylum, let them in. The majority of them do not. They do not. You and I know that. I'm not defending illegal aliens, but I will defend the idea of asylum. The mass majority of these people don't deserve asylum 
All right. And so uh, under the current law, they would not get asylum, turn around, take them back to the bridge and send them back over. So uh, that that is uh, we only have about four or five of those um, courts that are anywhere near the border. And one in New Mexico, two or three in Arizona, a couple in uh, uh, California. And uh, basically we have two in Texas that are close enough to the border. All right, let's see. I, uh, I I didn't get to a scripture yesterday, and so I wanted to use it today, and it's from Jeremiah 5 and 19. It says, It shall come about when they say, Why has the Lord our God, God done all these things to us? Have you ever heard anybody say that, by the way? Why is God doing that to me? Why is God doing that to me? And then you shall say to them, as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you will serve strangers in a land that is not yours. That's God in the Old Testament saying, uh, if you walk away from God, God's got no reason to cover you. Um, so, And we know the rules kind of changed in the New Testament. Maybe, uh, maybe Lorraine will uh, talk about that. If not, we always will on this program. Y'all stay tuned, folks. For Lorraine, and I will see you tomorrow.